0: Hello again, and welcome to Planet Beyond Podcast, brought to you by Fugro, the leading partner in uncovering geodata from the greatest subsea depths right to outer space, and hosted by me, John Baston-Pitt. Now, our listener will remember from episode 13, Beating Pancreatic Cancer, Charles Jaikowski's story. Well, he's back, and he's co-hosting this shortcast with me, and he's back to maintain that momentum for real change by putting some of those unanswered questions to his MP, Ed Davey. Charles, Mr. Davey, welcome to Planet Beyond podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Davey, here in the UK, we, we obviously know that you're also the leader of the, the Liberal Democrat Party. But for the benefit of our foreign listeners, could you explain what the Liberal Dems are all about, and maybe just just because just four days ago, after a major milestone for your party, you may be motivated to mention what happened last week.
1: Well, first, uh, we're a Liberal Party, believing in the liberalism creed and the idea that we need to allow individuals to be the best they can within uh, strong communities. Uh, now, liberalism is interpreted differently over time and in different countries. Here in the UK, it's very much seen as the sort of reformist centre of British politics. You've got the Conservative Party on the right with Boris Johnson, you've got the Labour Party on the left with Keir Starmer, and I lead the Liberal Democrats, which is often seen as in, in, in the centre. I believe we, we are a party that fights for a fair deal for people. We want to hold the powerful to account, be they, big business be they big unions be they big government and empower the ordinary person to be the best they can so we want a fair deal for people people who play by the rules do their bit they should be able to afford a decent home should be able to uh, have a good school for their kids should be able to ensure that their family is looked after when they're ill disabled or old so that that sort of age-old liberal creed that we want to put more power in individual hands and hold the power to account is what liberal democrats are all about. And you do tempt me, John. Uh, we won a by-election in East Devon, uh, tiverton Honiton, it's called, a few days ago. Um, we overturned a 24,000 Tory majority. Now what that means is uh, it was the largest ever majority overturned in British political history, so it was a bit of an earthquake but it comes on the back of some strong results in the last year for my party. We haven't done well in recent elections. Uh, We got punished by people for going to coalition. We were in government. I was in the cabinet for a few years, uh, and then uh, we were strongly against Brexit. um, And uh, some people didn't like our belief that as liberals, we believe in working with other countries and people didn't like our position on that. So we've, we've suffered a little bit in the polls, but I think we're now coming back as people, I think, understand what we've done and what we want to do.
2: Yeah, and as as Edward represents me in Parliament uh, for Surbiton, I thought it'd be good to bring him onto the show to talk about improving health concerns in respect to cancer, and in my particular case, pancreatic cancer. I had excellent access to private care, and I thought we could just touch on what you see as the biggest challenges facing the NHS and its cancer patients at the moment. Well, cancer is an issue very dear to my heart. My father died when I was four
1: of cancer and my mother died when I was 15 of cancer and I'd nursed her for three years. So cancer has always been something that has touched my life and something that when it comes up either as constituency MP in Kingston-Surbiton or nationally, something that I want to make sure we do far better than we did in the past. And the truth is that cancer waiting lists in the UK have been actually longer than in many of our comparable countries for quite some time. Our outcomes in terms of treating cancer have been poorer than a number of the countries who are no richer than we are. In fact, we're often richer than some other countries who, who treat uh, cancer better. During COVID pandemic, those waiting lists have got worse. uh, And last month they were the worst on record. So, you know, there is a real issue in how we uh, look at cancer. Now, Different governments have tried to tackle that. We do have various plans for tackling, with, uh, tackling cancer. But I think it is an issue about priorities, uh, an issue of um, making sure we are using the best treatments that are available and making sure we're innovating. Because as you say, Charles, uh, within the UK, particularly in the private healthcare sector, you can get very good treatment for cancer care.
0: we, We were really trying to dig deep last time we were talking on this subject to try and understand why these differences that you've just alluded to occur across these different countries. And of course, it has to come back to government at some point because you guys are heading what we're able and willing to do. So... What can or or what should government be doing to ensure that everyone with pancreatic cancer uh, get the access to the best, the groundbreaking treatments uh, that that it's possible? Well, there's
1: some broader NHS issues and then some specific questions uh, on cancer and pancreatic cancer. I mean, I think that one of a number of key questions for the NHS at the moment is dealing with the huge staff shortages. I mean, many hospitals and many uh, uh, primary health care organizations are carrying very large vacancies. We, and the care sector, which is often not mentioned, care homes, domiciliary care, uh, which is so crucial, actually, to the broader treatment of, of, of health, um, that's woefully understaffed. So there's a massive staff issue uh, which we have to tackle, and that does have a knock-on effect on cancer care. On cancer care, I mean, we need a comprehensive strategy my Liberal Democrat colleague, Tim Farron, who's in a lot of work um, campaigning on cancer, tabled an amendment to the recent Queen's speech calling for a comprehensive strategy for cancer to be put forward to make sure the government can meet the commitment that it says it wants to meet for 80% of patients to be seen within two months uh, by next year. Unfortunately, the government refused to write that into law. So one of the issues we have is governments make nice sounding commitments but won't necessarily be bound by them. And I think that's a challenge of holding government to account for what it says it wants to do. And whether it's dealing with vacancies, whether it's technology, whether it's the overall funding, we need to make sure that this is given a higher priority in the UK.
2: Ed, pancreatic enzyme replacement therapy, PERT, was something we talked about uh, a lot last time um, as part of the PCUK initiative. Um, it is a pharmaceutical that allows patients to take in nutrients for food despite damage to the pancreas, which is what saved, saved me uh, to be able to actually handle an operation the Whipple's procedure. And it enables them to gain strength to withstand chemotherapy as well. It costs roughly £7 per patient per day, so not that much compared to a lot of other uh, medications. But it is a lottery between NHS and GP practices as to whether a patient is prescribed it or not. Surely this can't be right.
1: It isn't right. And the postcode lottery that you describe is something we should all be concerned about. why is it right that a treatment like PERT can be available in part of the country on the NHS and not in others? And there's supposed to be a system called NICE, the National Institute of Clinical Excellence, was supposed to guard against that, but it doesn't appear to be working. And given it's such a cost-effective treatment, you would have thought that it would be rolled out across the country. We have actually been raising this in my party. Um, My colleague, Baroness Joan Wormsley, who is a member of the House of Lords. She's on our health team. She's been looking at this uh, and related issues for a little while now. And she raised the issue of the postcode lottery for PERT in the House of Lords just last March. Uh, and she basically said to ministers, you're failing to get pert to all patients with pan- pancreatic cancer. Um, and you know, she, the minister didn't really have a very good reply. So I think uh, as an opposition party, it's our job to try to hold the government to account and keep pushing them on making sure that this sort of treatment, which is clearly very effective and, and cost effective, should be rolled out um, as soon as possible to everybody who needs it.
0: What is the best way for people to raise their, these issues with their MPs, you know, to gain their attention and ultimately get the uh, attention of the government? Because it does seem that pancreatic cancer has gone below the radar screen on many occasions. And th- th- this is something which is clearly out there and clearly doing a significant damage. Yeah,
1: well I do think um, a good place to start is by rating your MP, I get hundreds of emails each week and I have a team that tries to respond to them, some emails are asking for your help, for practical help, Um, some are asking for your opinion on a a proposed piece of legislation or another policy area and others are in this case trying to raise awareness of an issue to see if we can get involved in a campaign. And I mean, just this morning I had a advice surgery. It's interesting now, post uh, well during the pandemic. Now post pandemic, I do advice surgeries both on Zoom or other other platforms are available, um, uh, and in person. And I've been doing advice surgeries with constituents for well, twenty five years effectively, and um, raising different uh, issues. And I think this type of event today, child getting in touch, um, is definitely one way that people. Uh, can can mirror to try to get more MPs aware of the issue. It is, of course, good to be at that grassroots constituency level, because uh, MPs who are doing the job will listen to what the constituents are raising with them. But it's also important to be part of a wider campaign. So and Cancer UK, obviously, is the umbrella group for cancer charities in the UK and has a very strong voice and there are often lobby groups and lobby meetings, lobby days in the House of Commons. There are what's called all party party groups, cross party groups of MPs who will take up issues related to cancer. So there's a number of ways you can can campaign. But I think that there are two ways I would say, yes, go to your MP, but try and be part of a national campaign uh, as well.
2: Pancreatic cancer survival rates have not improved for decades. And pancreatic cancer survival in the UK ranks 28th out of 32 countries with comparable data. We are failing as a country on the less survivable cancers. What do you think is wrong about the UK's approach?
1: Well, those are shocking statistics, aren't they? And um, there's probably not one thing that we're failing on. We were promised of quite a few years ago a cancer plan to close the gap uh in the UK's performance against other countries that are comparable. And I don't I don't myself know exactly why that hasn't worked. I can point to the more general problems that we see in the health service, and I want to repeat something I said earlier. We do suffer from um lack of staff. We need more GPs, we need more consultants, we need more nurses and more care workers. And I think that shortage of NHS and care staff really became very, very obvious during the pandemic, actually, and people were absolutely stretched. And that will go for a whole set of different uh, disciplines and issues, whether it's cancer or, or whether it's, you know, more hip transplants, eye treatments, the whole gamut. You you're likely to find uh, insufficient staff, and um, we've been campaigning on the issues that. Going back to postcode lottery and staff, if you look around the country, some staff, some communities have far fewer GPs per thousand patients than others. And people are waiting longer for GPs uh, in the, those areas, having get shorter appointments and so on and so forth. So uh, ha- you have to come back to uh, the staff issue. I'm told there are over 100,000 vacancies in the NHS, 100,000 vacancies. And that just has to be a part of the problem. I mean, in our conversation, whether it's to do with PERT, whether it's to your drug that you've been taking for chemo, as chemo treatment, that shows that it's it's clearly not just staff. It's also how we approach new technology and how we introduce those and make sure that they're more widely available. Uh, I don't know if we are significantly worse than the countries who are ahead of us I guess my final comment would be, um, if I was in government, I'd want to really study the best practice in other countries. So what are they doing, which results in better health outcomes in the UK? What is it that delivers the difference? So uh, it's interesting, because I've been involved in debates over many years, where people have gone to the structure, the system, and whether it's private, it's public, how it's paid for and so on. And when you do comparison in that regard, you financially, whether it's private or public or some mixture, doesn't tend to uh, be the best explanatory ver- reason for why health systems differ. What can be is how well they're held to account and how the voice of patients uh, and civil society is, is exercised. So I'll give you one example Denmark, which is a country of you know, five plus million people has a health system which is not dissimilar from the UK's free at the point of use paid for out of general taxation but its health outcomes are some of the best in the world uh, with patients whose satisfaction rates are again some of the best in the world. So you look at that and you go well what's Denmark doing that that we're not and on a very high level two things first of all they're spending more money and therefore having more staff and so on and secondly it seems to be slightly better organised so in a small country, it is decentralised uh, to the local governments as well, I think about 12 different areas within Denmark, and it's more accountable to the local communities. And I mean, that would be quite a radical change in the UK, where we have a very centralised NHS system. Sometimes that centralization can be really good, as we saw with the vaccine rollout, but quite often that over-centralisation really means that the performance is poorer. And so I guess I come back to my point. If you're going to close these gaps, you've got to really understand what other countries are doing better than ours and what lies beneath that, beneath that analysis.
0: So there is hope in, in the concept that when you look overseas, there are examples which are worth copying.
1: Definitely, definitely. We could and should be doing a lot better. No doubt about that.
0: Listening to Ed speaking to Charles really drives home that even with complicated behemoths such as the British National Health Service or or indeed the running of the country, It is possible to affect change, even as an individual. This contains a lesson for the business world too. If you see something that does not seem right, or you feel could be done better, it's worth speaking up, putting yourself out there. Who knows where it may lead? Pancreatic cancer outcomes have barely improved in decades. See episode 13, Beating Pancreatic Cancer, for for more information on that but tomorrow can always be better than today. You've been listening to A Planet Beyond Shortcast. Until next time, be safe, be remarkable, be the difference.